meeting of the Tahoe City Public Utility District uh, in order. And let's start with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Thank you, Peyton. Uh, so the first item on our agenda is agenda deletions or changes. Uh, we have anything, Cindy? No. Uh, we'll do some updates later on a couple items, but okay. no Any changes from staff. Any members of the board? Nope. Entertain. I would entertain a motion to approve the agenda. So Sorry. moved. Second. Those in favor? Aye. 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 I'm run it right through. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Did you have a comment? No, I was just wondering if we were going to put it on, but I guess we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, I think we're, there was going to be some discussion, but potentially yeah. no action. Um, potentially. Maybe we, maybe we won't take action <laughs> on something. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so first item on our agenda is the audit report from Man Yerusha Nelson, uh, CPAs and Associates. And I would note that uh, Judy and I in the Finance Committee meeting about a week ago spent uh, probably an hour and a half with the, with the auditor and with Bob McClintock, who uh, we, the PUD hires to uh, help us with audit issues and went through the audit in a high degree of detail. And we were satisfied that both the auditors had done a good job for the district and that the uh, staff was being very responsive to the auditors and had done a, a very good job of uh, maintaining the district finances in order over the past year. So with that, I would turn it over to Ramona, I guess, or to, to Ramona or to Justin? Uh, to Ramona to turn it over to Justin. Okay. So I was just going to introduce Justin. Also, you're, you're a partner with men. Is it Uredia? Everybody has a hard time with that. Yeah. Uredia. Uredia? Why don't you get rid of that? Nelson. <laughs> yeah, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> So Justin comes out of the Sacramento office, first time audit, and it went very, very well. And he's going to uh, go over with you the summary of audit results and tell you all the good stuff. All right. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to go over the summary of the, of the results of the audit. As well as prior to that, I've got a few slides that Ramona was a big help in putting together. This shows a little bit of overall summary um, historical information for the district, just to give you an idea of some of the trends. You are aware we have a screen up here. That's why we're not yes. doing this. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so when I use my laser pointer, you won't be able to see that. It's all right. Okay. Uh, so we'll start out here. This is the, just an overall summary of, of net assets of the, uh, 
the district, or, or as they're now called with the new GASB pronouncement, it's called net position. And essentially, it's assets minus liabilities. It's a general good indicator of the health of, of a district um, if you have positive net assets, which isn't always the case. Um, and you can see there, they're uh, from 2011 to 2012, uh, unrestricted net assets went down a little bit from 11.5 to 10.5. Um, and then you have the net investment of capital assets, which is really the reason why that went down is because of increase in uh, capital assets um, by about 10 million. You, if I, you mind if I sure. chime in? No, definitely. Some of the huge drivers in this actual positive change in that position is been the uh, capital assets coupled with the grants that we've received, results of operation from the utility fund, which was about 1.3 million. So this overall has a really good result at the end of 2012. Just some highlights. So this gives you a 10-year trend of that net position that we were just talking about in the last slide, and as you can see, increasing each year, just due to increased funding and, and capital projects that continue to, to happen. Uh, I'll just chime in again. Yeah, these are two new schedules that the board has not seen yet, and we plan on maintaining these. The first one I forgot to say, Justin, is also in the management discussion and analysis in the audit report. And so that, that we'll put in every year now. That's a new schedule, but you'll start seeing that as well. And this will start showing up in our budget documents. A lot of this information, too, that Ramona had put together, the intent is for <clears throat> next year and going forward to do the CAFR document, which is the comprehensive annual financial report. What that is, is any governmental entity in the U.S. can submit their financial statements to the GFOA, the Governmental Finance Officers Association, and they can submit that for review. And if they meet these certain criteria and have a lot of uh, information, in addition to just regular required information for financials, you have things like graphs and a lot of trend information in the back, you can receive an award, and it's an excellent financial reporting award. Um, so the district already has a jump start on preparing some of those things, and Ramona's um, already beginning to put some of that information together to be able to submit that next year. Okay, this next schedule shows a, a couple different things. It's really the the yellow, yellow-green-ish yeah. Lime. That represents the balance of debt mm -hmm. in the district for each year. And so as you can see, there's just as... Um, New debt has been incurred and paid off. It's been going up and down. The red and the blue then reflect the activity in each of those years. So any additions and then um, pay down a retirement of debt. Yeah, it's a great schedule. But the reason, one of the things I like about the schedule, how closely it ties to also net assets or net position now. And as you can see, especially in 2008, when you see our net assets stay relatively flat, well, you can see we also incurred some debt to build some infrastructure. So there's always a correlation to how all of these graphs and charts work together. So, thank you. Next, we have the 10-year trend uh, for property, plant, and equipment, or, or fixed assets, capital assets, if you will. And as you can see, again, um, continued increase um, over the last 10 years, both in water and sewer, the enterprise funds, as well as uh, general government parks and rec side of things. Yeah, I, and I, I'm trying to remember. I think we did put this actual graph. You, the board saw this last July, and you'll see it every year, as well as we started putting this in our budget documents. So it tells a good story. 
Okay, this is on the revenue side of things. So this represents the amount of property tax revenue um, by year over the last 10 years. Um, and growing up until 2009, and then obviously a, a slight decrease just with um, declining values. Um, and then a little bit of an uptick there in 2012, mm -hmm. which is good news and promising for a lot of districts and local governments throughout the state. And not unfamiliar to the board, you've seen this graph, I think, over the last few years, but now it's, again, it's, it's we're publishing it more often and inside the budget book. So. All right, so now I'll, I'll go over quickly the, um, the, the results of the audit. So we're out here um, two different times a year um, to actually do the different procedures for the audit. We have an interim phase, which we uh, performed in January, and then the year-end phase in February. The interim phase really consists of, especially in a first-year audit, there's a lot of work for us to get in and understand all the processes of the district, the different internal controls, and that's the time of year where we come out and document all that, and as well as test those controls. And if we have recommendations for strengthening those controls, it's usually during that time frame. When those things come about, and we do have a couple recommendations, which I'll get to in a minute. Then we were back out here in February, uh, end of February, to do the year-end testing, and that's what most people think of when you think of an audit. It's the actual testing of the numbers, so it's testing of the statement of net assets and then the statement of activities. So it's pulling large samples, which Ramona and her staff were pulled a lot of information for us to test what we were out here. In addition to that, we also perform the single audit during year end. And as I'm sure most of you are aware, any entity receiving more than $500,000 in federal funding is required to get this additional um, report and additional work, which is called a single audit or A133 audit. We also did a couple of the agreed upon procedures, which are separate engagements, which are performed, we're, we're asked to perform those on an individual basis. So um, they're not necessarily required and then we also work on um, the financial statements and the notes. The financials are prepared by Ramona, um, and then we, we review them and make sure all the numbers tie out and review the financial statements for, for proper disclosure. Yeah, and one of the points that was made during the Finance Committee meeting uh, by Jason was that typically with a district our size, we would be hiring the audit company to do the financial statements and the fact that Ramona is doing those in-house is effectively saving us money on the consulting side of this effort. So it's a good thing. So as the uh, as a result of doing all those different procedures during the, during the year, we end up with several different reports. Um, I'm gonna I'll just go over these and highlight it. We have what do we have? There's seven different reports really that we end up issuing. We'll go over the, each of the, these individually pretty quickly. The first one's the independent auditors report. And that's our opinion on the financial statements themselves. The financials, as, as we indicated, are prepared by Ramona. They're the representation of the financial position and activities of the district. It's our job as the auditors to come in and form an independent opinion on those to indicate whether or not they're fairly stated. There are four different types of opinions that we can issue on the financials, an unqualified, qualified, adverse, or disclaimer. And in this case, it was an unqualified opinion, which is, is a clean opinion. So it's definitely what you want. So the, in other words, the financial statements as presented are fairly stated. We also issue a government audit standards report, which is a yellow book report. 
there are certain additional requirements, um, especially when an entity receives federal funds that automatically triggers this as well to the yellow book audit. Um, so there's additional compliance <coughs> things we look at, um, as well as the auditors who are, are performing an audit under yellow book, we're also required to have additional um, training outside of, of doing non-governmental entities. So you end up with auditors that are a little more trained to deal with you know, budgets and um, things that are a, a little more unique to government when it, when it comes to operations. So as a result of that, we ended up with uh, no material weaknesses, no compliance exceptions, and no significant deficiency. So that's, that's really as good a report as you can get there. <coughs> so the next one is the single audit report, or the A133 report that I was talking about. We end up selecting, uh, we're required to select 50%, or in some cases 25%, of the total expenditures. And it ends up being, you call that the major program. So we did have the one uh, program that we tested, which made up a pretty large part of, um, of the total federal revenue. And we had no compliance exceptions um, related to that. We did include a reconciliation of federal revenue on that report that we went over with the uh, Finance Committee just due to some discrepancies in the prior year report. And so it adds a little bit um, additional information, but as far as this year goes, everything's reported properly now, and um, that's why that reconciliation's on there. But no, no exceptions or, or issues with that. Next one, we're required to do a GAN limit report, which is agreed upon procedures related to uh, the GAN limit, which is a limit of revenue that is set based on prior um, revenues and there's certain calculations that go in there related to inflation population and we verify that the district's revenues have not exceeded that limit um, and they definitely have it they're nowhere near it but that's just one of the required reports we're supposed to do so that's that's good news no exceptions there The other agreed upon procedure that we were asked to perform was the technical consultant selection report. Um, and that's where we looked at um, the different invoices and contracted, contracts related to um, uh, the engineering firm that RBAC, that was, um, that's utilized by the district to make sure there's no related party issues that all of the transactions are occurred at arm's length. And so that report details out the different uh, procedures that we listed there. We had no major exceptions. We, we did have one minor finding out of the 40 invoices we selected. One of them um, was not approved by, I guess, was, was it Ramona on that one? Okay. And it was, so it was a signature. We know that um, in testing the other ones and looking at um, all the information um, that there were no issues with the, with the invoice and everything worked out as far as tying that back to the contract. It's more of a clerical issue. One of the uh, reports that we're required to provide to you, what we call our SAS 114, which is Statement of Auditing Standard, uh, which is the communication with those charged with governance. There are just certain things we're required to communicate directly with you, different accounting policies and estimates that were new in the current year. These are also included in the, in the audit report and the, in the footnotes that are described. But there was a new GASB pronouncement that was implemented this year that changed the face of the financials a little bit. You, earlier I alluded to, rather than calling it a statement of net assets, it's now called a statement of net position. That was one of the, the changes as a result of that implementation. And there's a couple other minor things 
uh, related to that. It didn't really affect the district this year at all other than a, a little bit of presentation. If we had any difficulties with management during the audit, we would have included that in this letter that we report directly to you and, and we had no issues either in obtaining information or timeliness of information or restrictions on anything we could look at. So if we did have any of that, we would have reported that to you in this letter and I would have been saying reporting that to you right now, but we didn't. We also had no audit adjustments, which is definitely great news that just um, speaks very highly of Ramona and her, her, the rest of her staff and making sure that everything was very clean year end. The information that they provide us did not have to get adjusted by us at all. Ultimately, since she prepared the financials as well, we didn't have to make any adjustments to those financial statements. The final report that we issue is what we call, it's a management letter report to management. I indicated earlier, if we, uh, if we encounter what we call a deficiency or a, an area where we could see some improvement in internal controls, we're required to identify how severe that particular thing is. Um, the worst case, it would be called a material weakness, which is a severe breakdown in, in controls to the point that the financials as reported could be misstated. And so it's a major breakdown. The next level is significant deficiency, which is a little bit less than that, but it still warrants attention to be included in the government audit standards report. It's just a little uh, more severe. The final one is called a control deficiency, um, which is the least severe of the three, does not get included in any of the other reports. It's more of a side report that we issue to say, here are some recommendations that we have for improving your own internal controls. Especially in the first year coming in, we usually uh, end up with, with several thing, things that we can come in and make some recommendations on. And we went over these in, in detail with the Finance Committee, but the, the, the four different areas had to do with sign-off of the bank reconciliations, implementing a process for better journal entry review, making sure that process is documented. Um, the cash disbursements process, that was a clerical issue with making sure um, a couple of summary reports were, were initialed and signed <coughs> off and retained. And the final one had to do with supplies inventory, uh, making sure a physical inventory count was done for those. None of these recommendations were material enough to warrant any kind of adjustments to the financials, which is why they're all considered control deficiencies and, and the least severe. Um, in addition, we went over, uh, Ramona had prepared um, a district response and what they've been doing to address these. Mm -hmm. And in, in fact, even while we were out here during our year-end portion of the audit, they had already begun implementing um, our recommendations. So from a, a board perspective, that's Definitely something you want to see when management's obviously willing to <coughs> make some changes and begin to implement those things right away. Thank you. Oh. When when you uh, started this, you said there was a typical of a first year, there's several deficiencies, but it's only just these four minor ones, correct? Correct. And our responses can be found on uh, section F to page five, if you wanted to see our responses. And as, as part of this, we we note what we consider to be the deficiency and we make a recommendation as a possible way to implement right. that. Each of their responses were in line with what we, rec we recommended. It doesn't necessarily mean we're not gonna say you have to do it the way we did, but I mean, that's that's one thing that they did is that they were addressed the, the same way that we, we recommended they, they be done as well. So overall, uh, definitely a very clean audit. We had an unqualified opinion on the financial statements. 
ended up with no material weaknesses or compliance exceptions or significant deficiencies. And then in the end, we had those four control deficiencies or management letter comments uh, that, that we noted. And I, I would like to thank uh, Ramona, Cindy, and, and the rest of their, their staff for the, um, the help that they gave us in the audit. The, they were very well prepared, very well organized. When we came out here, we were able to, to get right to work. They sent us a lot of information ahead of time, and it was always well organized, everything tied out. So that, that definitely says a lot, and we, we appreciate that. It helps yeah. us get in and do our job. Thank you, as well as we got them out a day early by putting them in a really hot room. <laughs> so, Well, and, I, and I, I, I thank you for thanking me, but as you well know, um, we uh, are so pleased to have um, attracted Ramona to come over to our district and take over as CFO here, and she has just been a tremendous asset. She and her team uh, are really responsible. Uh, I know you pull in a lot of the rest of us in various aspects, but it's really um, Ramona's team that she's built and the procedures she's put into place that allowed this to happen. Anytime we've had a new auditor, uh, we have had um, a number of recommendations from the auditors, and then in future years, hopefully, we've anticipated that, we've made the adjustments, and we don't, we don't see those again. Um, but new auditors bring new eyes, which is very valuable to the district and to the board of directors, especially for your fiduciary responsibility to this community. All of us at staff level take that very seriously. Um, and I think the auditor's report uh, is is that report to mm -hmm. our community more than even to the board that of uh, the stewardship that we're providing for their financial resources, uh, which is obviously incredible responsibility for this district staff. Absolutely. So, but all credit to Ramona well, and her team. Thank you. I'm going to say and the team because they hustled really to get everything to Justin and and it yeah. went really smoothly. So I thank them as well. They they worked hard. Now we're on. Thanks. Um, thank you, Jason. Justin. Justin. Okay. I'm sorry. I knew that. <laughs> Are there any questions from the public on this item, from the presentation? No? Okay. I think the next item on our agenda is the approval of the 2012 basic financial statements. And I'd entertain a motion for approval unless there's questions from the board. So moved. I second that, for sure. Moved and seconded by Ron, or by Judy and then Ron. Is this, this is just a straight up motion. Looks like there's no resolution involved. Right. No resolution. Any public comment on this item? Seeing none. Those in favor? Aye. Those opposed? None. Um, well done. Yeah, Ron. Okay. Um, Cindy, I'd like to thank you for thanking Justin for thanking you and Ramona <laughs> and the and the staff. But uh, I I do want to thank you for a, a very uh, great audit report here. That uh, um, while it's not surprising, it's exactly what the community and the board would expect. It is always um, very very well done, and uh, appreciate the continuing work here. Thanks, Ron. Uh, so earlier in the agenda, I skipped past public forum. Is there anyone in the audience that has uh, would like to address the board on any item not on the agenda? Okay, seeing none, we will move on to item E1, Tahoe City Winter Sports Park summary. Good morning. Um, 
I'm going I, in your packet. I, I gave you a memo regarding uh, some summary issues or some, the summary of the Winter Sports Park. But I'd like to lead into it with uh, the KCRA coverage of the Winter Sports Park this this winter. <clears throat> Let's get back to the audit. That was. <laughs> What time are they supposed to broadcast this? Doesn't have my desk all the time. It's that I keep reopening it, and then they have five going. So, bear with us. I'm getting so much crap mail. Unfortunately, it's all funneled out of my work, but I get 250 a day. And most of them come through. And this, of course, it's between pills and credit scores and buy new cars. Yeah. There's no uh, growth. Should I move on? Let's go ahead and start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, in, in the summary, I want to uh, just give you a brief summary, go through some of the bullets here of uh, what we provided at the golf course during this winter. Um, we had a 76-day season. We opened up on uh, December 22nd. Um, and uh, we closed on March 10th. Uh, the main reason for that closure was the lack of snow. So 50, 52 days of full operation, which, which means we had the cross-country skiing, the snowshoeing, sledding, the walking trail, and food and beverage. <laughs> Like, so we mentioned all the kids around here usually start downhill skiing by about the age of two or three. But the truth is, there are a lot of recreational opportunities in this area. The latest is called the Tahoe City Winter Sports Park, and it may look a little familiar to you. Come on, kids! Dana Leonard couldn't be happier with the new Tahoe City Winter Sports Park. It's centrally located. It's so much fun. There's tons of kids out. The dogs can come. You can see the lake. I mean, it's great. Just don't be surprised if someone yells four. You can wax your skis in the winter and play nine in the summer, since this is also the Tahoe City Golf Course. The course was privately owned for decades, and the family who owned the property decided it was time for them to sell the property. The Tahoe City Public Utilities District bought it, transforming the clubhouse into a ski chalet and quickly scoring par with the ski crowd. And the cross-country folks did a phenomenal job transforming the, the golf course into a snow park. So if you didn't know there was a golf course out there, you'd have no idea. The biggest consideration of turning this place into a winter sports park was protecting the golf course underneath. So all these trails are built between the tees and the greens, with one exception. That sled hill is built on top of the first tee box. When you're coming up this hill right here, 
There's a bump right here, which I think is a sand trap. Whee! One person's hazard is another's terrain park. You can go on little, go down the sand traps, and and then you can do little tricks off. Come on, Chloe! Come on, doggies! The Tahoe City Winter Sports Park, a hole in one in just its first year. And yes, the Winter Sports Park will be back again uh, next year. They're going to have to, at some point, though, turn this thing back into a golf course because people are going to be ready to golf here in no time. Yeah, so it's kind of year-round now. What you just saw is the Snowcats, they're preparing the race course for tomorrow. One thing is certain, guys, it will be a fast one because it's going to be the downhill events. Okay, thanks, you guys. Appreciate that. Um, so as you can see, we did close in, in the video there. You can see we were on our last days of operation um, with, with the snow melt. Um, but we did make it to March 10th. Um, like I said, 52 days of full operation. Um, the days of operation were uh, uh, during the holidays uh, every day and then Friday through Monday during normal weeks. Um, we had 24 non-operating days with groomed trails. So basically, uh, the, the bar and restaurant and the rental shop wasn't open, but we would go out with uh, Tahoe Cross Country staff and groom the trails every day to provide them to the public on the non-operating um, days. Um, oh, by the way, I want to mention Kevin Murnane is here in the audience uh, from Tahoe Cross Country who ran the, the, whole, the whole operation over there uh, along with Duncan Golf. Um, we had several special events. Um, we had a, uh, the grand opening event, obviously, uh, during a huge snowstorm. Um, the Super Bowl ski night, we, they had um, a couple of full moon ski sled nights. We had Friday night ski events with the bar service, the cobblestone relay. Did I say something? No, no, no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and, and, sorry. And, and Citizens Against the Clock Biathlon Race. So there were several special events that were pulled together um, at the, at, at, at the uh, sports park. We also collaborated with Snowfest uh, to provide the annual dog pool, the human bowling event, and the snow golf tournament. And Duncan Golf provided. Um, the big thing uh, that was really huge was uh, the, Lake, the Tahoe Lake School students that were able to use uh, the, the entire course. They were able to ski right out of their um, ball field there and onto the course. And uh, you could go out there many days during the, the week and, um, and see a, a number of children out there got really good uh, feedback from, from the school district about, about that, that use. Um, uh, TCPUD did provide custodial and uh, out there maintenance uh, and worked well with, with Duncan and Tahoe Cross Country uh, to provide those services. I do want to mention um, we did use uh, all existing full-time staff to, um, from PUD to, to do this uh, custodial. If we had a big snow year throughout the year, we probably would have been challenged to, uh, to meet the needs. Um, so it's something to consider next year as far as um, being able to cover all of our duties along with these additional duties at the golf course um, to provide, provide the custodial. Um, I, I, I showed you the fiscal impact in here. We, we talked about when we came to the board for approval uh, back in the fall, um, we agreed to uh, the board approved a $40,000 budget. Uh, outside the existing budget, um, we did stay within that um, and uh, came uh, in at about thirty thousand uh, dollars total cost to, to the district. So, um, overall, uh, the feedback from the community was very positive. Um, I'm sure that you board members also heard some positive feedback about that. Um, 
I think the staff feels confident that for a pilot program we did very well this year and we think that it's uh, something that we should continue uh, to provide in future years. Um, as you know, we're looking at other amenities uh, to help support it, which I think will help uh, you know, improve the, the bar and, and restaurant portion of it. Um, but, uh, but overall, uh, very satisfied with it, very happy with, uh, with Duncan Golf and Tahoe Cross Country with their flexibility in the pilot program and, and how we uh, were able to kind of make changes as we went. It was very fluid, um, and uh, like I said, the flexibility was really important and huge to, to the success of the program. I don't know if you have any other questions. Does the, the revenue <coughs> under, is it the TCPUD that would show the drop box um, for during the week? The um, I think we brought in $100 uh, oh, in drop box total, and I think that came <laughs> in through Tahoe Cross Country. $2,700, I believe. This um, from the event. This from the event, the oh, grand okay. opening event. Very good. Good start. Excellent. Can't wait for more snow. <laughs> because I, I'm big on compliments today, I guess. I wanted to make sure uh, I compliment Bob and Roger and their, their parks crew. Um, we pulled this together at the last minute. There were a lot of issues, a lot of meetings, a lot of um, unfamiliarity on our part of running a winter sports park, a clubhouse, all the activities that were going to go on. And they did a tremendous job of accept, absorbing that support and uh, also wanted to compliment Kevin, Tahoe Cross Country, and Duncan Golf. Uh, again, for you it's standard business for cross country skiing. A sled hill was a new venture for them uh, and certainly in this location it was a new business. And then for Duncan Golf, they've never done anything like this. So it was a real team effort, a lot of support from the community and really wanted to compliment Bob and his staff on their responsiveness. Kevin, did you uh, have any comments you wanted to offer to the board? This item. Um, I guess I, I wanted to say thank you for allowing us to take it on and, and give it a shot. We, we really would like to do it again. You know, it's tough to do something like this for one year and really see, in a, especially in an 80-day season. Um, but we think it tied in well with the promotion of, of Tahoe Cross Country, allowing bigger operation to send people down here and, and also in the opposite direction. Um, PUD was great to work with. Um, I believe we we finalized things and really placed our ski order in December. So um, coming into it with um, a little more time and maybe a, a really clear calendar of events and, um, you know, even on our side, uh, you know, startup costs will be at a fairly at a minimum next year, so um, not having to buy more equipment and uh, having a really good sense of, of the grooming operation and, and uh, the use of the, the machinery that we got through Kelly through the Excellence in Ed Grant, I think it was, for um, the Ginsu Groomer worked really well. We were able to pull one of our machines over that was able to pull it. Um, we were really happy with how it went. You know, we sold, I think, close to 40 season passes, which I think was a great sign from skiers really not from our area, um, you know, mostly local, in town, people who work in town and, and used it as a, as a great convenience. And um, So yeah, we're excited to do it again, and, and thanks. Thank you. Thank you. The only other follow-up I have, 
um, is that at the committee meeting there was some discussion about uh, some follow-up actions for the staff and one was uh, that we contact both CHP, Caltrans, and the sheriff regarding um, the, the free sled hill and the parking that happens, uh, the dangerous situation we have on the West Shore, trying to urge those agencies to direct people over to um, this safe location for people to park and that we think that would be a great benefit both business-wise and safety-wise to the community. So we received that direction uh, at the committee meeting. Any other comments? Uh, I just, uh, I think that'll be a <clears throat> terrific part of a overall marketing program that just pretty tough to uh, adequately market when you're starting marketing on opening day, so to speak. <laughs> so just with the advanced time, as you've said, for doing, putting programs together, I think the actual marketing too, even through the, the, um, the Highway Patrol and Placer County Sheriff will, will make probably the grandest difference, I think, in the amount of people to become aware of it and then uh, uh, come and use it too. So this is another good one. And even in this overall golf, the overall golf course and the, the leadership of the, the PUD in seeing the potential of that for being an integral part of uh, the whole Tahoe City, North Tahoe community is uh, another example of not only Park and Rec, but of uh, how the, the district and the employees lead this uh, uh, a lot of the endeavors that take place to make this a more positive community. And I'm not going to continue with this uh, thanking the world like the general manager. <laughs> no, I, I would agree this was a good program. Um, as it relates to next winter, the you know, one of the things PUD did this year was to agree to provide up to $40,000 of uh, operating uh, subsidy to the com combination of the cross-country operations and the food and beverage operations. And <clears throat> I know when we had those discussions going into the uh, making the decision to uh, get the sports park going, we were also talking about you know, a goal over a you know, three to five year time period of the operation becoming self-sustaining. So I'm assuming over the course of the summer and the fall as part of the dialogue with with both Tahoe Cross Country and Duncan Golf that we'll be continuing to revisit how we can accomplish that goal. That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Uh, any public comment on this item? Seeing none, let's move on to the consent calendar. And I believe uh, staff was not requesting any items from the consent calendar be pulled. Any members of the board? No. no. Seeing none, I'd entertain a motion to approve the consent calendar. So moved. And I'll second it. Moved by Judy, seconded by Ron. Any members of the public have any comments? No. no. Seeing none, uh, all those in favor of the consent calendar? Yes. Yes. Aye. None opposed? Item G1, resolutions. This is resolution and call for bids for the Lake Forest Service Lateral Relocation Project. Um, so this is the final piece of the Lake Forest Reconstruction Project. Um, I won't go through all the details here. It's pretty well spelled out. Um, I'll only point out at the very end there that um, 
in June, after we open bids for all these projects, we'll be bringing back um, a whole budget status for you. So I know the board is asked to see kind of where Lake Forest is budget-wise. Uh, that'll occur in June after we open these bids. Uh, and, and so if there's any questions? Move approval of uh, uh, the attached resolution. Second. Motion and second. Any public comment? Seeing none, roll call. Gary? Director Friedman? Yes. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Item G2, resolution and call for bids, four season tank and Woodhill Wood Hill Wood View waterline improvement project. All righty. So this one's finally ready to go. This is years and years in the making. Um, again, I won't go through the details of it other than, uh, again, down in the fiscal impact. Um, we're slightly over budget uh, from what was approved. Um, you know, and I'll give you the usual spiel. We'll open bids and we'll find out where we actually are in the budget and we'll discuss that in June. Um, so, any questions? Move approval of this attached resolution for Four Seasons Tank. Second. Moved by Ron, seconded by Judy. Public comment? Seeing none. Terry? Director Friedman? Yes. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Item three, resolution and call for bids to Homa Meadows Mutual Water Company Transmission Pipeline Project Phase 2. Um, this is the remainder of the transmission line to Tahoma Meadows and ditto on the rest. Okay. Any questions? I don't know if we should do this. <laughs> Move approval. Second. Approved and seconded by Ron and Judy. Public comment? Seeing none. Terry? Judy, or Director Friedman? Yes. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Resolution and call for bids to Homa Meadows Mutual Water Company metering project. Um, this is the metering of the neighborhood for the final final piece to acquire the Tahoma Meadows Mutual Water Company. And any questions? Entertain a motion. Uh, so moved. Second. Moved by Ron, seconded by Judy. Public comment? Seeing none, Terry. Director Friedman? Yes. Yes. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Item H1, outreach plan on changing TCPUD board member elections. Thank you. Uh, we brought this item to the Finance Committee last week <clears throat> and received uh, some changes in direction. But based on the fact that we're missing two board members today, I wouldn't recommend any decisions on this today. Staff is following up based on the committee's direction. Um, with the plan that you see below, although we've changed item two, uh, instead of being an online survey, to research uh, a mail uh, survey to voters of the district um, as a more appropriate, uh, statistically valid sample of uh, our voters' feelings about uh, the election process. Um, and so if the committee members had any other follow-up on it, we would just bring this back at the next meeting with details on those costs and potentially a draft of what the survey, the postcard. Is uh, that, um, that change based on uh, some statistic that more people respond to a mail-out than an email? Um, we do not have email for voters. And the online surveys that we've been doing are great tools to public awareness, but they are not statistically valid. We don't necessarily know they're either voters or residents of the district because we have their email. 
and i think the committee felt through the discussions that really it's your voters your constituents that you need to hear from relative to this issue so we thought it would be a good expenditure of funds if we're going to proceed now nowhere in i don't think the committee said we're definitely proceeding but they wanted us to research the issue and then bring it back to the full board for discussion and decision thank you for the clarification so excuse me in view of the fact that we're missing two board members i would make a motion to table action on this item okay do we do that steve you don't need to make a motion to table okay if you do make a motion to table it under robert's rules then you have to have a motion to remove it from the table technically so you could just maybe ask staff to bring it back to the next okay i'm sorry i thought it was an action and we had to do something okay so yeah so we'll look at it again next board meeting direct me to bring it back judy that's your action yes all right thank you item h2 consideration of adopting a board position on sb 30 i've i've provided you of quite a bit of information in your packet relative relative to sb 630 which is legislation introduced by senator fran pavley and daryl steinberg speaker or i'm sorry house senate pro tem and in that they are suggesting a contingency plan in case nevada pulls out of the trpa by state agency and compact it was based originally as you might have read from all the letters that are in the packet to be a contingency plan for california that if nevada pulled out there would be an establishment of a new agency within california the c california tahoe regional planning agency the ctrpa this past tuesday i was in sacramento for a series of meetings with through the doug houston arranged our lobbyist in sacramento i was able to meet with martha guzman from the governor's office she is his deputy consultant legislative consultant on natural resources and energy bill craven the principal consultant to senate natural resources marcia lou who is the consultant to senate appropriations committee and panama bartholomew the speaker deputy consultant to the speaker of the assembly perez i also met briefly with secretary laird at a reception i attended after those meetings my concern with approaching all of these folks was to make sure that they heard a voice of local government and the impacts to our operations if this moves forward and the potential impacts we could face both in our day-to-day operations in an emergency situation as you know we successfully negotiated a new mou with trpa it took us about two years with all the other public agencies around the basin tony worked on it at length i worked on it and that mou allows us a greater latitude than we've had in the past we've established quite a track record of trust with trpa so when we're doing routine projects there are more items we can handle ourselves that's a very important instrument for us in emergencies and in smaller projects emergency repairs year-round to be able to know what our rules and regulations are currently sb 630 makes no call for continuance of that mou and 
Also, we're very concerned with the $45 million worth of capital infrastructure projects we have scheduled in the next five years. All of those are to replace uh, outdated um, or deficient infrastructure that's over 40 years old. We want to continue on those projects and obviously a transition away from a bi-state agency. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone thinking that that's going to happen quickly to set up a new agency, adopt new plans, regulations, staffing, uh, so that we know who to work with and how to get through the process. So we think there's significant delays there. A third point um, that I raised with them is the significant amounts of federal funding that have come to the Tahoe Basin that have helped with things that we've worked on. Primarily, as you know, the uh, water, uh, uh, fire suppression water uh, funding that we've received through the Senator Feinstein's efforts and also transportation-related bike trail funding uh, from the feds. Also, we've used federal money, snipple of a money at the Truckee River outlet parcel. And we're afraid if a bi-state agency goes away, federal funding uh, and the Lake Tahoe Restoration Act may uh, have issues. So I have drafted last night, I, um, and I apologize I didn't get this to you sooner, but based on those Tuesday meetings and my sense that I didn't necessarily want the district to take a position on the legislation, but to continue to support the bi-state agency. And as you've directed us in the past to make it very clear that our concerns are relative to our operations. This does not address the broader economic uh, or private interests that might be involved with uh, the dissolution of the TRPA, but is clearly focused on uh, TCPUD operations and projects. Um, and again, I don't cite the legislation primarily because during the course of a bill, it will be amended numerous times, and I don't necessarily want a, uh, something on the record saying we're in opposition to something that may change in which we might be able to support. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how I've drafted it. I'd like direction from you to work with Dan Wilkins um, to amend this letter with some comments he made earlier and any comments you have and get this out as soon as possible. And as I understand it, um, there is a time issue, which is why we can't necessarily wait for our colleagues to take a stand on this either. There is a, a time issue in getting <clears throat> this, this letter out. Yes, this bill um, will be heard in Senate Appropriations this coming Monday. Uh, Doug Houston will attend that. Uh, he may be the only person from the Tahoe Basin, representing the Tahoe Basin at the meeting. I'm not sure yet. Uh, we believe it will be placed in suspense because the fiscal impact uh, is over $100,000 to the state budget, which is the threshold by which they place bills in suspense. Mm -hmm. They take them back up after the May revise comes out, and then they go in order of which bills are, you know, have the most political strength and roll them out of suspense back into action. So that could happen as early as mid-May before your next meeting. Um, I don't think there's anything in this language. I, Knowing our directors and our conversations in the past, I don't think there's anything in this language that would be of concern, um, but um, we can certainly um, try to reach those directors and make sure they're okay with it. Thank you. Ron? Did you, uh, could you go over what you said about your meetings on Tuesday and that you felt you got a sense of direction or interest in working on amendments for this bill? Uh, probably the most key person 
uh, influential in this discussion that I talked to. The two most were Bill Craven, who's principal consultant to Senate um, Natural Resources Committee, and uh, Secretary John Laird. And in both of those meetings, um, they were very open, very clear with me that they need changes on Nevada's legislation in order, um, and that they are willing to compromise on SB 630 if they see commensurate uh, effort on the part of Nevada. Uh, whether that's a complete repeal of 271 or whether there can be changes of 271 in Nevada that will meet them, I'm not... I can't read between all the lines of politics that were going on, but it was clear they're searching for a package of amendments to both states' legislation. And so I've written a letter based on the information I received that both sides are willing to at least discuss, and no one wants to see, ultimately, the bi-state agency go away. But there is a lot of posturing and... Um, chest thumping maybe is uh, this, uh, appropriate, uh, but California really is trying to have a vehicle in place, and uh, I think Bill was very clear that his, uh, Senator Pavley, is very much wanting to push uh, changes on the Nevada side so that we can move forward. As they expressed, both he and Secretary Laird expressed to me, they, California does not want a gun to their head. And so that's what they're trying to push back on is the the threat. So, is this law though, or this um, bill, not saying, or is it saying? I guess that we should, or they, the legislation, legislature should pass this, regardless of what Nevada does, and and ha and start operating under this, and not as a, let's have this in place in case they continue on. Um, bill, I, this seemed to me it was like. If we vote for this, we're going to start doing it. Bill, Bill was very clear to me that um, this was an effort to have a contingency plan in place and to push Nevada to do something in this legislative time frame because Nevada does not meet next year. They are on every other year legislation. The timeline on 271, which I think you see outlined in all this backup. I'm sorry I didn't provide all this in a report. Um, 271 would take place, would take effect in October of 2015. Nevada meets until June 3rd of this year. They cease their legislative um, uh, session and they will have another session in 2015 but it may be too late by then to uh, make amendments. So they are really trying to push for resolution of this right now. Mm -hmm. um, they are open as I said to suggestions but especially want to see movement from the Nevada mm -hmm. side. So I'm suggesting our letter, even though I don't think Nevada interests particularly want to or care, maybe we can circulate this to IVGID and uh, the agencies on the east side of the lake and suggest they write similar mm -hmm. letters to the Nevada side that we would send to the California side, that we as local agencies um, could be profoundly affected by, this, by these issues. Yeah, and Cindy mentioned that I had a couple of comments earlier as I've had a chance to digest the draft letter that that Cindy's prepared. I think the comments that I had brought up earlier are adequately covered in the draft. So from my perspective, there aren't any modifications needed. So I think the uh, question from staff is whether or not we are
whether or not we would authorize the general manager to sign this letter on behalf of the, or I guess that's why myself as the vice president, to sign this letter on behalf of the Tahoe City PUD. I make a motion to do so. A second. Any public comment on this item? Seeing none, we've got a motion and a second. Those in favor? Yes. Aye. Those opposed? None. Okay. Thank you. Next on our agenda are reports from our various divisions. Let's see, it looks like engineering is first on the list. Nothing? Finance committee, nope, unless Judy had something. No. Finance department? Nope. General manager? Sorry, I'm going to take a few minutes here. I have two reports to update you on. One is uh, the Golf Course Oversight Committee will be meeting on April 29th at 1 p.m. here in this room. Uh, we will be uh, presenting some recommendations to the Oversight Committee from the Tahoe City Public Utility <laughs> District that will include uh, a request that they support uh, our project, our BMP project, that they support our installation of bocce courts, um, that they support our efforts at improved signage on the site, mm. and uh, then we'll report to them that we will be doing additional research on the potential for augmenting the Winter Sports Park with some sort of ice skating um, um, uh, facility and see if that's reasonable. Um, other agencies will also be making reports. Most significant, of course, is the airport district that will be recommending approval to move forward with the helipad at the preferred location, which is the uh, what we call the woodcutting area. Uh, just, what direction am I? North west, northwest of the fifth. In the location shown on the map. Yes. <laughs> just up the street. <clears throat> not impacting the direct play of the golf course. It may impact some trees uh, along the edge of the golf course, and um, it's certainly already a disturbed area. So. And so I think that's the most significant ones I've heard of that will be coming forward to the Oversight Committee at that time. Okay. So, uh, okay. One question or comment on that. You know, we're, as a district, we're considering you know, investing some relatively significant capital dollars in the in the golf course property. I know we talked a few months ago about what effects that would have on the uh, MOU we have with the other uh, purchasing partners on the property. Mm -hmm. My understanding was that the golf course oversight committee had some dialogue on that, but didn't really take any. That nothing definitive came out of that other than we're going to continue to work well together in the future and to trust that if we, we as PUD put a bunch of money in that will be, that that will be taken into account properly at some point. Uh, am, I, am I being No, I think that's inact am I inaccurate a fair in assessment of the discussions. Okay. When we bring, uh, we're bringing that to the oversight committees essentially asking for approval for the project and also asking them to consider considering it as part of our acquisition cost, mm -hmm. essentially. So and investment. I think we didn't really, I mean, we talked about the BMPs would have to be down. We didn't really talk about cost at that time. Right. So. They'll be seeing that information. All right. This I mean, at the end of the day, we own the property. We do have an agreement that I find highly unlikely that the terms of the agreement that would call for you know us to buy someone out 
would be exercised, but if things change in five mm -hmm. years from now we were in that position, I'd want to make sure that our financial investment at this time were taken into account. Mm -hmm. So, I believe at the last oversight committee uh, there was a lot of head nodding yeah. that that seemed like a reasonable approach, especially with a project such as BMPs that is uh, a requirement for the property to continue operation and for anyone to consider any projects. Um, there wasn't a, a, a great appetite to immediately go back and revise the MOU to address mm -hmm. this, and so we're asking to be recognized uh, now officially by this committee um, so that when we do exercise or potentially modify the language of the MOU to address this, uh, we have an oversight committee motion regarding that. So uh, we would hope that that would pass by the committee, even though the language hasn't been implemented in the MOU. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're comfortable with that, Judy, as yes. a member of the Oversight Committee? Yes. Okay. And as Cindy said, there was a lot of head nodding, mm -hmm. but we didn't have specifics to work with, and nobody disagreed with the idea. Okay. Yeah. Steve had drafted some language, but I think the appetite of especially getting it back through the Placer County quickly was going to take a while, and uh, then there might be other concerns that came up through the, as the oversight committee at its very first meeting wasn't necessarily prepared to start rewriting the MOU at the present time. So that, that was my read on the group. They weren't opposed to the concept. It was we've met the just our first meeting, and now we're going to revise the MOU immediately. So. All right. Okay. Second, uh, second item, if there's no other discussion, my second update is that uh, on Wednesday of this week, uh, Director Friedman and Director Wilkins and I went to uh, Placer County and met with um, uh, David Bosch and Jennifer Merchant to talk about the relationship uh, between Placer County and uh, Tahoe City PUD on a broad range of, of topics, but primarily focused on our operations agreements for Commons Beach, Heritage Plaza, uh, and the Tahoe Community Center in light of the county's um, legal opinion that they, in fact, own the Tahoe Community Center. Um, we had, I think, a, a very positive discussion mm -hmm. of our working relationship and brought to light some new information. We also talked a little bit about, uh, obviously, the need for increasing maintenance costs, that we were heavily subsidizing Commons Beach, a county facility, as well as the uh, Heritage Plaza facility, and obviously the Tahoe Community Center. Um, we are going to continue conversations with them, but I think of most impact to the board is the potential that we may want to come back to you in May with some direction uh, as to um, what you'd like to do with the Tahoe Community Center. Um, my suggestion is um, that you consider that, uh, turning that over to the county um, per their legal opinion, and uh, we start some sort of negotiations, assuming since we're doing quite a bit of the rest of their maintenance for facilities that they will want to contract back with us to maintain it. Mm -hmm. um, but then we can enter into new negotiations on that. But um, you're not here to take action or, or on this today, but it's an update and uh, I would think we should bring it back in May. Okay. Uh, since that is how they're proceeding with the fire station, July 1 they will take ownership of that building. So I have a, I'm sorry, I have a question. 
Given that, um, what does that do? To, so is our lease with, at the, with the uh, arts group in that building, is that void? Since we may not be the owner of the building? Short answer is I, I don't believe it would be void. Um, Cindy shared some documents with me yesterday, one of those being a 1963 resolu resolution adopted by the Placer County Board of Supervisors um, that appears to have provided the Tahoe City Public Utility District with the ability to, to operate um, that building. And I'm not aware that there's been any action or document that would supersede that resolution. So under that authority, and certainly under the knowledge of Placer County that we have been operating it, renting it, I understand they're aware of even the uh, RFP for the uh, kayak concessionaire, um, that I don't believe that there's a question about our ability to operate and lease that. At least I'm not aware of it. Did, at this meeting, uh, you guys were, uh, you, you attended, was the, the county's opinion or the CEO's opinion the same as Jennifer Montgomery's was that day, that they own that property and yes. buildings, structures? Yes. Uh, and my, my opinion, my observation was they hadn't necessarily thought through the ramifications of what that meant to them. <laughs> um, Especially as we described the state of the building. <laughs> yeah. But us having managed the building for the past 12 plus years are very well aware of <laughs> what that means. Okay. So. And was there any further uh, comment about, again, um, Supervisor Montgomery's comment of Placer County will internally work on this as to what can be done here and what can't be? Did they set still the um, internal being a key word in that? Uh, I, I think we made our point that we as the operator of their facility down below the fire station um, would like very much to be involved in discussions of how the building or buildings are used in the future to complement the beach activities or to offset uh, the deficits that we encounter uh, operating Commons Beach for the county. Um, but we didn't get into dialogue of exactly who and how that process would work as to establishing what would move forward. Um, the rest of the Board of Supervisors has not been fully briefed on this. It hasn't been an item on their agenda yet. Um, but certainly they are familiar with the legal opinion and believe it applies to both buildings. So uh, the other thing I don't, I don't, I think we had a broad ranging discussion. We didn't yeah, get into the nitty details the detail. of how um, it would be planned. That said, it was apparent that the CEO was aware of some of the previous <laughs> discussions about the site, um, some of the, the um, shreds that were done, some of the public outreach that was done. He, w he was fairly well versed on all that. So the, uh, you know, I guess the, you know, this is relatively significant in that mm -hmm. we've been mm -hmm. putting a lot of effort and expanse into operating that building mm -hmm. over the years. I know uh, at least my recollection in the last two or three years is we've heard from staff that uh, in their opinion there's a number of capital improvements that should be made to that building in the not too distant future and I know we had been contemplating as the district 
you know, funding those capital improvements, but if the county um, is asserting ownership on the building, then, and you know, given that it doesn't really have a whole lot of programming value to us as the PUD, it really brings into question, you know, why why not just let the county take Use TOT take it. take control of the property and, and <laughs> move forward from there. <laughs> so okay. So I, I think I guess the I think the question that Cindy's asking is, do we, as the board, uh, think it's appropriate for an agenda item to come back to us in the next one to two months on the on this topic, giving us the history on the ownership as well as the potential um, disposition of the property? Yeah, and uh, it might even be uh, helpful to this board. To have the county present as to tell us what the status of uh, those buildings are now that they've looked at it more closely, and how they would suggest proceeding mm -hmm. to have a presentation or discussion with someone here at at our board meeting. Okay. Just a quick follow-up. I was looking at the documents Cindy sent me and. Actually, what I've got is Resolution 140, adopted by the Tahoe City Public Utility District on August 15, 1963. It references um, a resolution, a 63-223, adopted by the Placer County Board of Supervisors on August 13 of 1963, authorizing the district and the county to enter into an agreement for the operation mm. and maintenance of the, the commons. So we'll have to dig that up, dig up that agreement and that Foster County resolution for a little further guidance. So to answer your question, Judy, I thought this provided for it. It, it does not, but there are other documents referenced okay. here. I might okay. be the only staff person who was alive then, so I'll be the one to check it out. <laughs> and just barely. <laughs> <laughs> Ron probably helped write the agreement. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a signature on there. Although okay. I was pretty young then, too. I was just starting my senior year of college. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were in your early 40s then. But, um, okay. Parks and Rec Committee? Um, just, just one. I wanted to uh, let the board know the request for proposals for the kayak concession at Commons Beach did go out. On April 10th, um, they're due back in on May 10th. Uh, we have a pre-proposal conference uh, next week on the 24th at the Tahoe Community Center for anybody that's interested in proposing um, to answer a lot of questions, look at the site, etc. So, um, so that process is underway. And if you have questions on this issue, you're clear that we don't know right now what the status is, and we will be working that out on the building. Crystal <laughs> clear. Right. Sounds like the bottom line is we made, I don't recall the details of the language in the RFP, but we would want to make sure that it's clear that there's at least a, a reasonable potential that the building may not be under our control to provide to the concessionaire. And it was already clarified before this issue even came up because we didn't, we don't have the permits yet uh, for the building or mm -hmm. even the beach at this point. So we're doing it at the same time concurrently uh, getting the permit. So it's pretty clear in the RFP about yeah. the potential that the building or the beach may not be permitted uh, even after we uh, award the, the concession. I, I think there was a lot of if and may 
in the RFP. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Sewer and water. Anything, Tony or Matt? TTSA. Uh, Eric's not here. <coughs> what? Can I maybe give a quick update on the meeting you attended? Sure. On Tuesday, I met with uh, TTSA on the um, Fannie Bridge Community Revitalization Project. Um, they've received a letter from the consultant uh, for, for TTD uh, addressing their concerns related to the sewer export facility um, and the possible relocation options. Um, they continue to have issues with the, the proposal and they're going to be writing a response letter. Um, we talked through a number of those. And, um, they're still going to be making further comments. They're just looking for more detail uh, from the engineers and TTD on, on some things. So, uh, And we have a few <coughs> issues related to it as well, just in terms of how it will affect our upstream facilities. So we're, we'll be looking at that. If there's some issue, we'll comment on it. it as I recall, the our line and the TTSA line, the, the ownership or pipe property line, if you will, is basically right in the middle in the middle of the project, right? Yeah. Under the roundabout or under an edge yeah. of the roundabout? So the transition manholes are directly under the roundabout. One of the relocation scenarios would eliminate that those transition manholes. And one of the items that, that we discussed was who would actually own this piece of pipe, given mm -hmm. that the owner transition currently occurs kind of right in the middle. Uh, we didn't make any progress on that discussion, and I'm sure we'll... We'll uh, discuss it more. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, but yes, we do have it. Yeah, we're we have facilities in the area as well. Dan, we missed one meet, um, update we wanted to give you on a meeting Bob and I attended with State Parks. If we could just quickly update okay. the board. So Cindy and I met with uh, some pretty high ups in State Parks: Brian Barton, um, Marilyn Lincoln. From State Parks, along with some uh, some other staff, um, regarding the Skylandia uh, Park contract, um, uh, we you know we've been working for a while to renew that contract. Um, State Parks has re-engaged with us locally uh, to get this contract going, and so we had a, a pretty positive meeting. Um, uh, we could be potentially bringing a contract before the uh, before the board in June at the June board meeting. So um, we're we're helping move things along with that and. Uh, Making sure that uh, it, it all makes sense. Um, so positive meeting, um, and we we had a, quite a history lesson too from some from some folks uh, that, that called in. Um, Cindy, you want to fill them in on the history that we learned the other day? Sure. Okay. Thanks. One of the parcels uh, in question here is what we call the Star Harbor parcel. Star Harbor parcel uh, includes Pomine Field, and then a flag size lot that goes runs down to the beach on the west side of the boat ramp, the rocky beach area between that and the Star Harbor Channel. Um, but it includes Pomine Field. And uh, we started into discussion about this is a state park parcel and trying to decide when and how the PUD came to maintain, not only maintain this field, but also um, put in a playground and make other improvements without necessarily having state approvals. So in the discussion, it turned out that um, Marilyn was able to track down a former employee of both the PUD and State Parks, Pat Murphy, in Sedona, Arizona, got him on the phone, 
And he started to explain how he and Larry Ballou went out and started laying the sod and irrigation lines. And I asked him to back up a minute and say, so you weren't involved in the grading, correct? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, in fact, I got a call from Bruce Schindler, who was then director of Parks and Recreation for Tahoe City PUD. And Bruce Schindler had said Larry, uh, to Pat Murphy, uh, you shouldn't go out to the boat ramp this weekend and do any work. In fact, you should definitely stay away from the boat ramp this weekend. And I don't want any staff at the boat ramp this weekend. And as you know, in the middle of the night, community members, or in the middle of the day, or whenever they went, uh, went out and built a little league field at Pomine because we had lost our little league field and had not received permission to rebuild it anywhere. Um, I had always been told that what they built it on was the spoils from the Star Harbor dredging. Well, when we asked State Parks, how did you come to get this piece of property, they in fact said, yes, it was a court settlement in which Star Harbor had to give us of the State Parks this, and it had happened just several years before the field was built. So I think it clarified for me a little more of the history that I know many people in our town are still familiar with, but um, that in fact it really hadn't been a long time State Park parcel. It was really uh, seen maybe as more of a settlement that State Park was the custodian of. Um, and in fact, um, when our community members went out and did this, and then somewhere in there, there must have been an agreement that TCPD could go ahead and put the turf on top of what had been graded and set up by the townspeople. So I'm not exactly sure who, if anyone issued formal permits, but state parks agreed they would grandfather all of this in and we would move forward. <clears throat> they very much expressed a desire in the long term to restore this area if we could find another place for a ball field. And that we've heard from Conservancy, State Parks, TRPA. State Parks said they would like to restore it or they would like to see it restored? See it restored environmentally. <laughs> yeah. Major Yeah. And so, but it was a bit of history that um, for a short period of time I was panicking because that was saying, oh yeah, the PUD, we went out and we did this. And I said, <laughs> We built the field? He said, no, no, we were just putting the sod on it. No, they built it on this one weekend. <laughs> so that property was part of the Star Harbor lands, and that, that was then transferred or given or whatever to state parks. As for, part of a court settlement yeah. is how they yeah. explained it, state parks. For building well, their... Whatever that, yeah. mm -hmm. whatever that is. The marina, channel their channel. Yeah. So it was, it was good background for me, and it, it made me realize there's, there are still lots of history of our community and our PUD that I need to research. <laughs> Hopefully some of it you will not be able to find. <laughs> yeah. Did you have something, Kelly? Yeah, I just had one update is um, on Saturday tomorrow is there's the Earth Day Festival, the annual festival out of Squaw Valley, and that's from 11 to 5. And Tahoe City PUD will have a very engaging, lively booth that we encourage you to come out and play our game. Um, technical Services has actually taken the lead, and um, specifically Brandy. And then Coral, Bob and I have helped in the planning for it, and we have a handful of staff coming out and helping man it. But um, I think it's going to be a fun one if, uh, if you're out there. And the whole day that they have, it's really built up each year. Um, it's a pretty neat, neat event. So if you're out and about, come see us out at Squaw and play the game. Okay, Any, uh, anything else on reports? Seeing none, uh, general correspondence. 
Any comments on that? We need a few more sheets in this section. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff in there. I just had nice some letter for Coral. Nice comment. I just had some follow-up questions. Actually, first of all, nice letter for Coral. It's mm. nice mm -hmm. to see those glory letters. No, that's okay. Um, I, there's uh, something referring to the properties on, on uh, River Road. Is there going to be any resolution to that? Matt, can I guess? That's the Graham property. Yes, um, We discussed this at Sewer and Water. Sorry, I didn't update oh, you guys. That's all right. Um, I believe we're going to be taking the same approach as TTSA, um, reclassifying the property as uh, residential, SFR, um, and uh, recording the same agreement. We're working with TTSA to get a copy of uh, their version of the agreement. And, um, so we should be. We should have this resolved shortly. I believe we've already reclassified the billing. Not yet. Okay. Soon. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Right. Anything else, Judy? Yeah. See, there's someone in here that doesn't want any of you board members to get a raise, so we will happily oblige. Yeah. That guy says that every year. We will take no raises. Yeah. Uh, Ron, did you have anything? Um, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Okay. Director's forum. Director's comments or correspondence? Any comments, Judy? Um, no. I, I have to say I know that staff's been working really hard on a lot of things, and once again, it's nice to be out in the community and hearing how hard everybody's working. There was the Easter egg hunt. Um, there were no wardrobe malfunctions. It went very well. Um, I know you're working with the music festival. I know you're working on all kinds of things, and I just want to say thank you. It's nice to be able to go out in the community and, and hear that PUD staff helped this. I'm talking to PUD staff about that, and they're being very generous with their time, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Rob? Uh, just one thing that um, we didn't have a chance to mention last, last month um, because the award had just uh, arrived that's mm. down there and I uh, again congratulate the staff and all the consultants that participated in that and um, glad it's been able to uh, stay on display for the month so that I remembered this but <laughs> the project is something that will never let us forget so yep okay meeting review and staff direction <coughs> On item H1, we'll bring back the outreach plan for um, a possible change in elections to the board meeting in May. On item H2, um, I will work with Director Wilkins to get those letters signed and sent out uh, to the appropriate legislators. And uh, on a follow-up report item, uh, I will get the resolution, Board of Supervisors Resolution 63-223, and then potentially bring this item back for discussion at our May board meeting relative to the TCC and a process by which to um, formalize what we've learned about the ownership and the operations of that uh, building and ask the county to be in attendance when we do so. Okay. I believe that concludes the April meeting of the Tahoe City PUD. I, we do not have anything in closed session. So, meeting adjourned. Thank you.